You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined, as always, by our managing editor, Horns 24-7, Taylor Estes. Taylor, how's it going? Chip, it's uh, going pretty well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It is, um, well, it's what, Valentine's week? We're, yeah. Hey, your first one as a married man in how many years? There you go. Man, how was that? Past, past too. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been a non-believer in Valentine's Day, so I'm trying to come around on that. And I think I passed. Um, you know, Valentine's Day number one, we'll we'll see. But um, it's also, we're coming off the Super Bowl. We've got Texas baseball opening its season this week. And, of course, football winter workouts continue. But, uh, and basketball is, you know, now heading toward March and all that excitement. Texas with a big win at Oklahoma Tuesday night in overtime. We'll get into that. But the Super Bowl. You know, Texas makes a big deal out of the fact that they've had a representative in 17 straight Super Bowls this year. It was, as we talked about last week, uh, Trey Hopkins, the starting center for the Bengals, and Joseph Osai, uh, the outside linebacker for the Bengals who missed the season because of a, a season-ending preseason injury. But, you know, Trey Hopkins, I, I want to give love to Trey Hopkins and and the Bengals for, um, you know, a great season. And for a half, Taylor, for the first half, it looked like the Bengals were, well, they were right in it. They were down three at halftime, but then they sort of took over in the third quarter. They were running the ball with Joe Mixon. Like they averaged four yards a carry as a team Mixon. And I saw where um, the Bengals head coach, former Nebraska quarterback, Zach Taylor, took the blame for Joe Mixon not being in on the third and one. And when they gave it to Samaj P. Ryan, when Joe Mixon had been averaging almost five yards a carry, but you know, everyone's going to talk about the seven sacks and Joe Burrow getting sacked on fourth down to end the game. And, and I get it, but man, the Bengals were right there. I, I felt like in the third quarter, they were going to win the game because they were running the ball. The Rams couldn't run the ball. And, and so it's a heartbreaking season for Bengals fans, for Trey Hopkins, who did you notice when they did the introductions, he said that he was from North Shore High School and not the University of Texas. I don't know what that's about, but I just, it was a great season. He's got one more year left on that three-year, $20 million deal we talked about. And I know everyone's going to pile on the Bengals, but in the first half, the Bengals limited Von Miller and Aaron Donald to a combined one quarterback pressure. That's it. Yeah. And that was good. <clears throat> Obviously that ended up being the matchup that was the deal breaker, kind of the deciding factor of the game though. But yeah, I mean that I, I was, I was very impressed with the first half performance for sure, because as we talked about, you know, last week that Aaron Donald Trey Hopkins matchup was not one that was 
favorable. I mean, it's not favorable for pretty much any offense alignment. It doesn't matter who it is. You know, I mean, Aaron Donald is probably a future Hall of Famer for the NFL. And so I think that, you know, Trey Hopkins and the Bengals offensive line definitely held their own. But, you know, there's, I think, some cracks a little bit in the foundation after a while, it kind of, you know, gave way a little bit, but it was, it was an exciting game for sure. And let's just be real. I watched it mainly for the halftime show because that was right up my alley, especially being, you know, from California, my dad's from long beach. So a lot of uh, familiarity there, but that was my favorite part of the show of the entire uh, day. I know that probably sounds very girl of me to say the halftime show is my favorite part, but it was because I grew up with that type of music. So. What did you think of Fifty Cent hanging upside down? Oh, it was funny. I well, I did. I like didn't realize he, that was that a surprise that he was there because I knew the other performers, but that I didn't realize that Fifty was going to be there. Yeah, I could have used more Kendrick Lamar and less Fifty Cent. Yeah, Kendrick. Well, Kendrick Lamar is like one of my favorite rappers, honestly, of all time. Like, I I absolutely love love Kendrick Lamar. So I totally agree with that, but. Um, overall, I mean, but the game itself, you know, going back to that, I thought it was an exciting game to watch. You know, it's unfortunate for Trey Hopkins and Joseph Osai to be on the losing end of that. But the fact that, you know, Joseph Osai is on a team in what he was drafted last year, right? Right? Yeah. (laughs) I'm like trying to think like how, yeah. So the fact that he was on a Super Bowl team, even though he wasn't playing, you know, in his first year in the NFL is pretty impressive too. And he's going to help them. Oh, for sure. He's, he's going to help them. Help them. So yeah. When he gets healthy, he will be an asset to that, to that defense. And uh, Joe Burrow, what can you say? I mean, he, he, he put the ball on the money. MCL? Did you What's see that? that? He had like a sprained MCL. Yeah. And he didn't get evaluated. The reports are he didn't get evaluated in the game because he was like, I'm not coming out. <laughs> and he puts but the dude. ball. Was it Tyler Boyd, his first drop of the year? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, it was, it was an exciting game and obviously it came down to the final, every single playoff game came down, um, uh, the championship games, the Super Bowl came down to the final seconds. That's crazy. It's really, cr- I mean, I love that. Like what, what more do you want as a sports fan? If you like watching, even if you're not even, you know, if you're a generic fan, that's, that's what brings more viewers in the audience in and keeps them engaged. And that I love that I love this whole postseason, and I'm not a huge NFL fan. Like I don't watch a ton of NFL, um, especially in football season, just because we're always doing something. You know, I've never really had like an NFL team that I was a huge fan of or anything along those lines. But I felt like this NFL postseason was probably one of the best that I can remember in my lifetime. Yeah, and I think there was like rumblings of Sean McVay maybe retiring at 36. <laughs> Let me tell you what that's about. That's about the salary cap and the lack of draft picks coming back to get the Rams who leveraged everything to win the Super Bowl this year. They did it. And now he's probably going to have to do the same thing Sean Payton's doing, which is, you know, I need a year away. I need to find myself because if he sits out a year, then anyone can hire him. And um, so just keep your eye on that because the Rams have like no draft picks over the next two years. So yeah, uh, as free agents come up and they can't replace them, uh, it's going to get a little harder, but yeah. Retiring at 36. I hope by the time I'm 36, I can retire. Right. <laughs> and I'm not there yet. So, <laughs> you know, man. Um, all right. Speaking of football, football workouts continue. And I have a new favorite 
place to go uh, for off-season workout updates and just off-season anything updates, and that is Brennan Marion's Instagram stories. Yeah, he had like the full workouts the other day of the receivers. Yeah, it was great. Like mm -hmm. if uh, if you read the Insider last week, and if you haven't, or if you're not a member at Horns twenty four seven, what's wrong with you? Because we did a deep dive into Isaiah Nayor's, um, you know, journey, how he got out of, you know, Arlington Lamar as like a two star. His only offer was from Wyoming. Well, he he moved from Minnesota to Texas and was a basketball guy, not a football guy. And the Arlington Lamar offensive coordinator uh, had him in a computer animation class, noticed this long, you know, six foot three size 15 shoes and was like, Hey, you want to come join our off season conditioning program for football? He was a sophomore when he transferred in Taylor. So, um, you know, he was going into his junior season when he started the offseason conditioning program at Arlington Lamar, played on JV as a junior because of the transfer rules, only had one year on the varsity and was on a team with two other receivers uh, who were getting recruited, including Trayvon West, who ended up going to Oklahoma. And so he didn't stand out as much as he would have on another team where you know, he was only the only receiver being recruited by division one schools. And so he was a true under the radar guy ends up at Wyoming red shirts, then only catches eight passes, uh, as a, as a redshirt freshman. Then last year had the breakout year, but was playing in a run heavy offense at Wyoming. They ran it 64% of the time. He was like their one play action receiver had 12 touchdowns. This guy is a hidden treasure. Oh, yeah. And if if you have not read the insider of last week, you definitely need to um, read that because Chip talked to the high school coach that um, Isaiah Nair um, had there. And it's a really fascinating story because I didn't know a lot of that about him, Chip. I, I didn't realize that he was a basketball player, you know, first, essentially. And um, it's a really, really interesting story. But there's no denying that, obviously – this is, I feel like, more of a late blooming type of recruitment. And that's why, because I think a lot of people have been sitting there wondering where this kid came from and how all of a sudden he's at Texas of all places. And it's fascinating to just kind of see how this kind of come full circle with him, you know, being in the state of Texas as a recruit going to Wyoming, coming back. But there's no denying that this, this guy is, I mean, think of that. Like, how long has he been playing football, basically? Four years? Right. You know, I mean, it's in at a varsity or higher level for what three essentially. I mean, that's an it's a, it's really impressive, and the fact that Texas was able to land him still to me at this point, it's easy for me to say this. Obviously, it's easy for us to say a lot of things in the off season, but at this point, this is an impact of a a transfer. Obviously, Quinn Ewers is a huge transfer that Texas got. Texas got a few of them. But Isaiah Nair is definitely one to watch this season. I think Chip and you did a great job on that. So. Thank you for always doing great stories like that. That's why you want to subscribe to Horns 24-7 because Chip's got uh, the inside scoop in the Insider every week, and uh, it's a really good story, though. Well, and Texas was late to his recruitment. You know, Josh Heupel, the, the coach at Tennessee, had been on him 
you know, immediately. And Isaiah is a really humble kid. He's a, he's a, you know, self-deprecating guy. He appreciated that Tennessee was on him first. And, you know, he took a visit to USC, but felt more, you know, of a, of a tie to, to Josh Heupel and Texas got in really at the last minute and like the second week of, of January. And, and like kids were already moving on campus, the early enrollees and, you know, Steve Sarkeesian and uh, Jeff Banks make an in-home visit and said, listen, there is opportunity here. And Isaiah was tempted to just sign with Tennessee because they were the first ones to show him love. He, he told Notre Dame, he had already stopped, you know, ended the recruiting process. I mean, this is a kid who just wanted to go where he was going to be appreciated. And Steve Sarkeesian, Jeff Banks, and really Chris Gilbert, Chris Gilbert deserves the credit here. Um, The former Dallas area high school coach who knew, um, you know, the, the situation at Arlington Lamar and called and, and, you know, called Laban delay and said, Hey, the coach who is now at South grand Prairie, but was at Arlington Lamar and said, what do you know about Isaiah Nair? And he's like, I've been expecting your call. You might be too late, but kudos to Steve Sarkeesian, Jeff Banks going full court uh, to get him. And they did finally get him down to Austin and he stayed and enrolled. So this kid, I agree with you, Taylor. I think this kid is going to be a big impact guy because um, he, he is a technician. I mean, that's what they learned about him immediately in the strength and conditioning program at Arlington Lamar. He's a sponge. He wants to be great. And all the things we've been saying about Troy O'Meary that, you know, he flashed and showed in that fall camp before he tore up his knee and then God bless him, tore up his knee again uh, or injured his knee to the point where he had to have another surgery and is still not cleared yet. That's Isaiah Nair. I mean, he is, he's almost six, four and man, is he, um, yeah, he's aggressive, contested catches. That's that's the thing that jumps off the, the screen when you watch his film is this guy goes up and gets it. And and that's something that Texas has been lacking outside of, like we said, you know, dating back to Lil Jordan Humphrey and and uh Colin Johnson, but with with Xavier Worthy on one side or however Sark's gonna use him, you can't just focus completely on worthy. This, this is a guy who can beat you one-on-one. So that that's going to end up being a, a really big pickup. And, yeah. I, and go ahead. Well, and Texas needs that. Like that that's a huge point huge. of emphasis for the, the success and, or not success of the offense. I mean, you can't just expect B. John Robinson and Xavier Worthy to be the only two playmakers on the field because defenses can shut that down. You've got to have more weapons. And that's been a point of emphasis, you know, I think for Steve Sarkeesian and the staff. And you're right, Isaiah Nair is a perfect one to fill that void. And then you add in the mix Jordan Whittington on there too. You know, we'll see what happens with Troy O'Meary. I mean, Texas could be, could, it's easy again to say in the offseason, but could be pretty stacked. Honestly, if these guys pan out and if they develop the way that they have shown that they can, if Jordan Whittington can stay healthy, this may be a totally different you know, ball game for the receivers when last year it was basically just one. Yeah. Yeah. And 
Josh Moore, who was the leading receiver the season before in 2020, leaves midseason. I mean, they need stability. They need depth. Uh, I can't wait to see what Brennan Thompson looks like when he gets to campus in June because he's a he's a you know speedster. He fits that mold of those Alabama receivers, you know, six foot burner, um, like the Jalen Waddles, like the Devontae Smiths that, that, um, I mean, I don't know if you can catch like those guys, but <laughs> that's you know, look, Steve Sarkeesian so far and Jeff Banks, they, this coaching staff, now you throw in Brennan Marion positive. I mean, you look at what Xavier Worthy was able to do. Now you, you have high hopes with Isaiah Nair. Cause here's the thing. Nair had 12 touchdown catches in a run first offense. Xavier worthy had 12 touchdown catches in a pro style offense. And that's a ton of touchdowns. So uh, this is, this is promising. And I'll say this about the Brennan Marion Instagram. I'm, I'm not kidding. I mean, keep an eye on that thing because last night he had a story or a video uh, of the receivers with Quinn Ewers at Top Golf. Yeah, and Quinn Ewers launched one like it looked like it went over the fence, honestly, or the netting area. Well, and just the dynamic, the team yeah. building dynamic of what Brennan Marion's doing. He's got the receivers. Quinn Ewers is there with him. I was looking for Hudson Card because he's apparently a pretty good golfer too. But um, you know, that's interesting stuff. I, I, I don't want to say that maybe that stuff wasn't going on in the past, but it's good to see it's going on now. Yeah. And I, it, it does give you a glimpse into it. Watch Brendan Marion's going to like block us on Instagram. Or oh, something yeah. after this. <laughs> no, I mean, for real, I mean, it's, it's real, like seriously follow him on Instagram because if you want to see just a lot of behind the scenes things going on at Texas, he's kind of showing it. And honestly, Chip, it, it's a little bit, I do think it's kind of a breath of fresh air to see coaches embracing that because I mean, that's, that's, a recruiting tool right there. I mean, literally his Instagram store can be a recruiting tool for other recruits, you know, and, and that's huge. And I feel like, you know, a lot of times I feel like coaching staffs and coaches, they can get old school and, you know, kind of stick to what they know and not really care about the, the social media aspect of a lot of things. But sadly recruits do obviously young people do. And so you've got to embrace it and he's doing a really good job with that. But yeah, I, I definitely agree. Like his Instagram stories have been must see, Social media, I guess you could say TV, but that wouldn't make sense. But yeah, I mean, it's been, it's it's good to see. And and I did, I agree with you. The the fact that Quinn Ewers was with the receivers was very interesting. I didn't, I also didn't notice Hudson Card. I'm almost tempted to look now to see if he was there, but um, definitely interesting stuff for sure. Yeah, and I and I'll say in the video he showed of workouts from Tuesday, um, you know, the footwork in terms of route running, getting off the line, Isaiah Nair was the sharpest of the whole group, mm -hmm. sharper than Jordan Whittington and Xavier Worthy. And that's not, it's probably not a surprise. I mean, he was at Wyoming for three years. Right. So he's a, you know, he's a veteran, um, even though he's a newcomer to Texas. So feel pretty good in saying that uh, Isaiah Nair is going to be uh, an impact guy for this Texas offense. And before we leave football and go to basketball, I know some people have asked about, you know, what's going on with David Cutcliffe. Uh, we talked about the possibility there has been contact between Texas and David Cutcliffe, who was let go as the head coach at Duke. Uh, 
the you know mentor to the Manning family, coached Peyton Manning as the offensive coordinator at Tennessee, was the head coach of Eli Manning at Ole Miss. Uh, I'm told he's got other opportunities. He's waiting and weighing everything before deciding what he really wants to do. He, you know, we've been told he wants to go somewhere where he feels like he can make a meaningful impact. And, and so he's going to take his time and, um, and there you have it on David Cutcliffe. And one other thing, Taylor, we did the flagship podcast interview with, with Rod Babers, a familiar voice to those who listen to the horns 24 seven podcast. Rod does the Longhorn blitz with Jeff Howe. I wanted to get him on the flagship podcast to talk about the, um, you know, he's got a new radio show with a former co-host of mine, Mike Harge on the horn, but he really is great to listen to in the way he breaks down Texas football, especially on the defensive side. And I, I think if you haven't listened to our interview with, with Rod Babers from Monday, get in there, check it out because uh, it, we cover 2021. We cover this incredible off season the team's having in 2022, but I really enjoy his, even we even get a way too early prediction from him for the, for the 2022 season, but really enjoy the way he breaks down uh, the Texas defense. Yeah. Yeah. It's a definitely a good interview. I think one of my favorite quotes or uh, comments that he made was you kind of brought it up, you know, when he was, you were quizzing him about himself as a player and um, you know, him leading the team with, I think it was, what was it? 21 pass breakups uh, that season. And his quote, from when he was at Texas, he's like, yeah, nobody's catching the ball on my side of the field. Not even me. (laughs) Like I was laughing. So behind the scenes here, when, when we do these interviews, I'm on them the whole time. So I can hear and I'm, you just can't see me on the screen as I've always thought Chip does such a great job at interviewing people. I don't, I don't feel the need to always have to jump in there, but that I was laughing so hard. Like I literally like, was laughing loud enough to where people in my house were like came to the door of my office looking to see if everything was okay because of how laugh or how hard I was laughing. So oh, and then he's talking about Dwayne Aquina, the yeah, the the secondary coach. (laughs) You're dropping money, babies. You're dropping money every time you drop an interception. You're dropping money. (laughs) <laughs> in the in the classic Dwayne Aquino voice too, the, oh, the yeah. Hawaii like <laughs> tone coming out and everything. Yeah, that was it was a really good interview. Definitely check that out. Uh, one thing I want to just real quick mention, you know, you talk about David Cutcliffe and the relationship that he does have with the Manning family. Um, Cooper Manning, the uh, brother that did not play <laughs> in the NFL there, but uh, the still getting commercials. Still, yeah. Oh yeah. He still is for sure. But uh, the father of Arch Manning um, told 24 seven sports uh, on went today on Wednesday that the, there's been some reports that the, you know, his recruitment's down to two schools. That's not the case. Uh, Cooper said on the record to 24 seven sports, he said that the schools that are currently in the mix for Arch Manning are Alabama, Georgia, Ole Miss, and Texas. So uh, the list is actually growing. It's not just down to two schools. Uh, Steve Wolfong reported that earlier today. So just a note there, you know, talking about Arch Manning and the David Cutcliffe, you know, connection. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's going to be a fun one to watch, obviously, over the next uh, six months or so. Um, fun for Texas fans if it ends in their way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good point. Um, all right, Texas basketball, and we're coming off this 
overtime win at Oklahoma. And wow, was that impressive. I mean, that's talk about answering your own call out. So the players called themselves out after they get routed by Baylor, 80 to 63 in Waco. Baylor was without LJ Cryer, their leading scorer. And they lose, um, I just call him JTT, uh, Jonathan Shimatso Chimura, uh, with that horrific knee injury. He's, oh my gosh. He's done for the year, uh, right before the, you know, right before halftime. So Baylor beats Texas with seven players and routes them. Afterwards, the players, Texas players, led by Courtney Ramey, saying, We were soft. This is ridiculous. We can't follow up a, a good performance with a bad one. We're doing that over and over again. Well, they go to Oklahoma, and Oklahoma's been playing well. Oklahoma beat Texas Tech in Norman, almost beat Kansas in Lawrence. And then they're, you know, kind of their NCAA tournament hopes are hinging on beating Texas because we're running out of games here. We only have five regular season games left. And Andrew Jones, to me, set the tone by going right to the basket attacking the basket and Texas Christian Bishop, Timmy Allen, Marcus Carr eventually followed suit to the point where in overtime they scored on all eight possessions in overtime, including after two steals, um, one by Timmy Allen, one by Marcus Carr. Um, and they needed every bit of it because OU made four of five shots in overtime. I mean, both teams were hitting. It was a great overtime, and Texas needed those two extra possessions they got from forcing the turnovers um, to win the game, and and they did. And it was, to me, it was just what they needed heading into Saturday's home game against Texas Tech. We know what happened when the team went to Lubbock. They got punked. They were never really in that game. They were timid we're starting to see this team. And after the Kansas game, Taylor, I said, look, this basketball team is going to have to out hustle people. They're going to have to be blue collar, dirty, you know, offensive rebounds, extra possessions, forcing turnovers. And if, if they can just buy into it 24 seven, and we should mention that Texas was also without Trey Mitchell, who's obviously their most skilled big man who is now away from the team for personal reasons, did not make the trip to Oklahoma and the team came together, got it done in Norman. And now let's see that same intensity uh, with, you would imagine a, a packed house uh, for Saturday's game at 1130 when the Red Raiders come to Austin and the Texas student section can let Texas Tech hear about it <laughs> instead of every curse word and maybe even some made up curse words. <laughs> that were showered upon beard when he was in Lubbock. So uh, I thought that was an important game and, and, you know, Andrew Jones, good for him because he's probably the scrawniest guy on the team. Mm -hmm. You don't think of him as being the, the leader of the toughness, right. but he's so silky smooth getting to the basket. And, and then he ends up, you know, hitting four of five threes. So huge game for Andrew Jones when Texas needed it. Well, and also this is a huge week for him, Chip, because I saw earlier in the week he tweeted about it being four years in remission. So it was so cool to like see that performance, you know, like come through after he hit that, you know, um, crucial mark, you know, of his uh, recovery from leukemia. So, um, yeah, that, I, you know, it, it was 
it was kind of interesting too when you looked at after the Baylor game, you know, I, I don't know if it was Chris Beard that sent all of the starters out to talk to the media or if it was the players that chose to do that. But the optics around it, a lot of people were like, this is interesting or this looks like bad for Texas. But clearly it, it worked. I mean, if the players are taking accountability for what's going on on the on the court, I mean, in any sport, that is so huge and that's so crucial. And it's, you know, it may be at least it's not too little too late or anything like that for Texas. But if this is a player, you know, you need player leadership. You definitely do. And with Texas going through changes, as you mentioned, with Trey Mitchell taking a leave of absence from the, the team, I don't know how long that's going to be. You know, these guys coming together and taking the accountability for poor performances and acknowledging the fact that it's not okay to just beat one team and then, you know, you know, skate on through the rest of the schedule, who cares what types of ha or, you know, happens or something. No, I mean, that that's huge. And that's, that's a culture thing. And it, it, to me, Chip, it almost seems like this, these players may be finally kind of grasping the culture that Chris Beard is trying to set, which is a tough one, obviously. I mean, that it's, it's, it's not easy to be a college athlete. You know, there's only a select few who get scholarships. And so it's like, if you are, you know, you you have to really build a strong culture. You have to be tough. And it seems like these these players may be clicking, may, hopefully for Texas fans, I would say, at, at the right time. Yeah. I mean, it's you got to have coaches who burn hot. Um, it's it doesn't have to be demeaning it, but it you need that intensity. Yeah, and yeah, and we'll see. We'll see how this team responds right now. I like the arc that they're on. They've got to sustain it. They got to make it, you know, every single night, uh, which is hard to do in this age of social media. We know that it's hard to keep guys attention. It's hard to get them to, to understand how, how hot they, they have to burn right? Um, to make something special happen. So it's, it's going to be fun to watch this team, especially Saturday's game against Texas tech. Cause I'll tell you, I've said it here on the flagship podcast. I was out in Lubbock for that game, and that was – I've been to Kansas and Fog Allen Fieldhouse, which gives me chills every time I say that. Yeah. And the United um, you know, Supermarkets Arena, USA they call it, out in Lubbock, was better, louder, most intense atmosphere I've ever been in for a college basketball game, and that's credit to Texas Tech. Now, they – as – one Texas fan told me they hate Texas more than they like themselves. So maybe <laughs> that was a huge contribution to the, you know, to that sound and that incredible home court atmosphere. But uh, Texas needs to, needs to match that. And, um, you know, we've talked about this a little bit, Taylor, but the, the basketball arena will have Texas students around it when they move to the Moody center next year so immediately surrounding the court will be the texas students there will be an elevated um walkway just a walkway not like a huge you know mezzanine uh, so that the students can stand the entire game and not block anyone behind them yeah um and chris beard kudos he's he's building it and so is vic schaefer i gotta say that for the women you know they had a big game against ou and they had a, a good crowd. He's starting to to get through and and build back that women's basketball following that Jody Conrad had done such a good job of building. It takes effort. It takes outreach. It it's, takes relentlessness. 
And so kudos to both of these coaches. And they put a good product on the floor. In fact, as we're recording right now on Wednesday, Wednesday night, the Texas women have a chance to sweep number six, Iowa State, who has one of the best players in the country in Angela Jones. And uh, she was not in the lineup uh, for their first meeting in Ames when Texas won because she had COVID or COVID protocols. And Texas got away with one there. I mean, Angela Jones is a force. And so um, fun to watch uh, these teams play because of how intense they play. Their their coaches are intense, and that's reflected on the floor. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And um, I, I'm curious. So this is kind of an old comment, but the I, I saw this video recently. What is going on with Vic Schaefer and the Texas Tech coaches there? I mean, my goodness. Like, I'm kind of like, I'm so intrigued. I feel like I'm watching almost like a soap opera or something. And I'm just sitting here with my popcorn. Like, let's keep this going. Can they keep playing? Because I love to see that. And I did see that, you know, after their last meeting, the um, players kind of ran over to Vic and were getting him kind of out of the situation. But what is that about? Yes. I know I know it's the score keeping things started, but it's still going. What's right? It, yeah, you're, you're right. It started in Austin when, um, you know, Krista Gerlich, the head coach at Texas Tech, was, you know, getting on the the scores table at Texas over something, and Vic was like, "I'm not having any of it. No one's telling our scores, you know, our scoring table how to do anything," and and I think that Vic is out to to show the young coach who's boss and you know, Vic doesn't care. He yeah. doesn't care who it's going to anger or what kind of, you know, motivation Vic is always going to tell it like it is. <laughs> and <laughs> it is, it's, it kind of has uh, continued. His Krista, Krista was on that Texas tech national championship team in 1993 with Cheryl swoops. And, and so she's as passionate as Vic is about her school and her team. And you got to have some of that. Remember Rick Barnes, when he would get on Dean Smith, when Rick was an up and coming coach at Clemson, taking on North Carolina, maybe Krista Gerlich's trying to get in Vic's head, you know, yeah. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think my favorite quote ever from any coach is the fact that I won't repeat exactly what he said, but after that initial brush up um, about the scorekeepers after the game he was asked about. It. And he's like, you're not going to treat my people like that. You're not going to do it. I don't give a bleep who you are. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you just okay. dropped the S bomb. right? Yeah. It's like, I would want to play for a coach like that person. Yeah. I mean, people may think it's harsh or brat, you know, whatever it may be. I know some people are saying like, Oh, how could it be a leader of young women? It's like, no, like let's take that out of it. You want a good coach. And if that's how he burns, his teams are going to eventually burn that way too. You know, he's proven time and again that he is one of probably the current, one of the top coaches in, in women's college basketball right now that are currently coaching for sure. So yeah, I, I really like him. I hope we can get him. We had him on the flagship. I think it was last spring. Was it right? Be, right. Right. After they won their um, uh, sweet 16 game against Maryland going into the elite eight. That's right. And and he's doing uh, a, a great job with a young team. I mean, he's really got – he's got Joanne Allen Taylor and Audrey Warren. Audrey Warren, we should give a shout-out, you know, Big 12 honors. She had – she's played great these last couple of games for Texas. She wears that, you know, that little pressurized uh, 
you know, collar uh, to help it, it presses down on, um, you know, her neck to force blood up into her, you know, her head because she's had issues with, you know, concussions. She takes so many charges and takes so many falls that, uh, you know, for people wondering what that is, that's what it is. Um, and, and so, you know, he's, he's got, uh, those two and Lauren Ebo, that's it from, you know, the, they were recruited by Karen Aston, but he's gotten them to buy in and Lauren Ebo, he called her out after, you know, a game against Baylor and, and Lauren Ebo has responded and that's what you want. So we'll see if, uh, if they can keep it going too, because right now they're most bracketology has them as a four seed and, and that's great for, a, I mean, last year, Going into the tournament, they were a six seed, and and he's got young players, Roy Harmon, you know, obviously, and uh, he brought in Aliyah Matharu from Mississippi State, and they've made a big impact. But even players like Shea Holly, young players that are, you know, Deanna Gaston, they're they're contributing more and more and more. And in fact, at one point, he said, "That's the future of our team." When they were all out there together, and so you can tell he's excited about where things are going. All right. So Texas baseball opens the season this week, Taylor. And um, I know, uh, well, I reported Pete Hansen, the, the redshirt sophomore lefty, will we'll get the ball first on Friday against Rice when uh, the Longhorns open the season at home. And, and that's exciting. I mean, he, he had the lowest ERA of any returning player, uh, 1.88 uh, ERA. He was 9 and one as a star well he was nine and one last year and only cole quintanilla had a better era than pete hansen on the team last year so um here we go yeah baseball is in the air here in austin and i i like pete hansen as the friday opener i guess i mean we'll see if that you know sticks but he he was so good when it, he's one of those players to me, Chip. That when he's on, it's like he he's untouchable almost. And um, you know, he was still kind of a young guy last year. You know, the fact that the COVID caused the season to be canceled. You know, they didn't really have he didn't. That was his freshman year, right? His true freshman yep. season. Yeah. So, um, but that guy is money. I'm I'm really excited to watch this Texas baseball team that I'm pretty sure it's the consensus preseason number one team in the country on all polls. Um, you know, you you would hope if you're a Texas fan that they live up to that, obviously. But I like what David Pierce is doing. I really like this pitching staff that they do have, and I think that this could be a really um positive season for Texas baseball. I wouldn't not be surprised if there's a trip to Omaha at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean Tristan Stevens. That was a big deal that he returned uh, to this team as a as a redshirt senior. He led the Big Twelve in wins last year. Tristan Stevens did power sinker baller. You know, pitches to contact, a lot of ground balls. Um, and you know, if you didn't listen to our flagship podcast interview with Ty Harrington, the former Longhorn and longtime Texas State baseball coach, he's like pitchers need to pitch to contact when you have an infield like Texas has with, you know, um, you know, Trey Faltini at short and, and Mitchell Daly at, at second. And, and they brought in the, the Kansas transfer, uh, Skylar Messinger from, you know, to play third. And now you have Ivan Melendez taking over for Zach Zubia at first base. 
And, and that's, to me, that's the biggest challenge that Texas has on its plate is Zach Zubia came through with so many clutch hits and led the team in RBIs and was a, a top glove at first base. I mean, he, you know, he fielded his position really, really well for a big guy who, you know, you're kind of trying to hide uh, in the lineup because he's such a good hitter or tr trying to hide in, you know, as a position player. I mean, he was an asset. I'm, I'm not trying to make it sound like he couldn't field. He he was a great fielder at first base. So let's see if Ivan Melendez can handle that. And, and then where are those clutch hits going to come from? You know, are they going to come from, from Melendez? We know he was a double digit Homer guy and a, 50 RBI guy, but you lose Mike Antico, a double digit homer, an RBI guy, and 41 of 44, you know, 41 stolen bases on 44 attempts last year. That's a ton of offense that you just, and Cam Williams at third base, who was also a double digit home run guy and a 50 RBI guy. So I think it's going to be um, fun to watch this team grow. Pete Hansen is a slow starter yeah. too. I mean, he tends to, you know, get better as the season goes on. We'll see if, if he can uh, come out. He, he wasn't that good in the alumni game. He kind of got beat up in the alumni game. So let's see how he, how he handles this opportunity. And and then Tristan Stevens takes the mound on Saturday. And, and it looks like Tanner Witt, the, the sophomore, the, the power, you know, pitcher um, who did so well for them as a, as a reliever uh, will take the ball on Sunday. So uh, good stuff. All right, Taylor, you ready for some love it or leave it? I am. Before we get to love it or leave it, we're going to take a quick break, but stick around because pretty much all sports talk continues here on the flagship podcast this week. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast hey i'm brett podolsky co-founder of the farmer's dog we make fresh food for dogs we started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog jada when she stopped eating ultra processed kibble and started eating fresh whole food the farmer's dog food isn't fancy it's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs it's better for them and easier for you get 50 percent off your first box at the farmersdog.com slash podcast that's the farmersdog.com slash podcast so, Chip, you ready? I'm ready. All right. 
My first one for you is Love It or Leave It. Former Longhorn Trey Hopkins starting in a Super Bowl is a bigger surprise than Texas ex Jarrett Allen being named to his first NBA All-Star game this weekend. Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, man, you know, because Jared Allen was a five-star recruit and he's seven feet tall, I'll say Trey, I'm going to love it. I'm going to love this, that Trey Hopkins starting in a Super Bowl um, is a bigger surprise than Jared Allen making his first NBA All-Star game this weekend. And, and Trey, I'm giving you love, man. You know, you were an underdog's underdog. I mean, signed, you know, undrafted free agent, signed to a three-year deal, cut from that deal so they could pay you practice squad money. And he stuck with it and stuck with it. And then when injuries happened, he got his chance to shine. He started at three different positions on that offensive line um, in, in 2019. And he ends up getting a really nice three-year, $20 million deal. I mean, Jared Allen, fantastic. You know, what's funny, Taylor, is Jared Allen ends up in the All-Star game uh, because Adam Silver, the commissioner, um, selected him to be in the All-Star game. All-Star Games in Cleveland, he plays for the Cavs. He's replacing James Harden, who's now with the 76ers and was injured. A year ago, Jared Allen was part of the three-team trade that sent James Harden from the Rockets to the Brooklyn Nets and sent Jared Allen from the Nets to the Cavs. And Jared Allen did so well over those last 51 games, the Cavs gave him a five-year, $100 million contract. So... A little bit of irony there that um, it's Jared Allen replacing James Harden in the All-Star game this weekend. So um, how about you, Taylor? That's a really good nugget. Yeah, I'm going to love it too. I think, I mean, this is no offense to Trey Hawkins at all, obviously. Like it's an unbelievable story. But from the fact that he, he was an undrafted free agent, as you mentioned, you know, was cut to make what, six figures. And now he's making eight figures <laughs> in the NFL. I mean, that is... That's pretty impressive, and I, I definitely – he deserves a lot of credit. As I mentioned before, I feel bad to say it, but as I don't watch a ton of NFL, I honestly didn't even – I forgot that he was even in the NFL still. So, yeah, that that to me is a bigger surprise than, you know, a former five-star Jared Allen uh, making his first NBA All-Star game. So I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to love that one as well. Yeah, only the fourth Longhorn um, to be named an NBA All-Star, Slater Martin. Kevin Durant, LaMarcus Aldridge, and now Jared Allen. All right. Love it or leave it, number two. Number two is love it or leave it. You like Texas basketball's chances in the Longhorns rematch against Texas Tech on Saturday. You know what I do? I'm going to love this. I, I I feel like we're seeing Texas, you know, not just talk about being the team that out hustles the other and scraps and claws. I think we're seeing it and, and with the home court, um, let's see how Texas tech handles that atmosphere. Let's see if that bad blood or whatever this is between Texas tech and Chris beard, uh, can sustain the red Raiders because I would imagine the home court is going to be hot on Saturday. And, you know, for these Texas players who were on that bus, Taylor, when the Texas students were calling Chris Beard every 
every name in the book, including some really derogatory names. Let's see how they, you know, they should have vengeance on their mind because they got punked in Lubbock. So I'm going to give the Longhorns the benefit of the doubt based on what um, we've seen two of the last three games, the win over Kansas, the win at OU, and I'll give them the benefit of the doubt going into Saturday's game. How about you? Yeah, I think I'm going to have to do the same. And, and I think more from, you know, when you say what the the students and everything were yelling at Chris Beard, it's like, at some point, take some pride. I mean, this is your coach, you know, and I don't care if you love him or hate him or love to hate him, but still, this is the guy that you are playing for. So play for him. And I, I really, I want to see that. I think I'm loving it more because I do want to see that because, you know, obviously I know that there's a lot of people in Lubbock that are still very angry at Chris Beard. And I, I get it, you know, to a certain extent, but you, you know, you have to take pride in something and you have to take pride in yourself too. And if you, as you mentioned, were punked basically by those people that were so derogatory towards not just your university, but your coach, the one that you play for, that you, you know, sweat and cry for every, you know, pretty much day, every week um, for this, this whole season, you got to take some, some type of pride. You got to, stand up for that. And so I want to see it. So I think I'm going to love this as a sense of show me, you know, type of thing. Um, but I agree. I do think that Texas basketball in two of the last three games, they've shown some flashes. They've shown, um, I think more play like team play, I would say probably more so than anything. It's not like just individual play where I feel like you saw that a little bit, um, in some of the struggles and games this season. So yeah, I'm going to love it. I'm going to say that I, I like Texas basketball's chances. And I, I hope for, you know, the sake of this team that fans do show up and give that type of crowd back to Texas Tech, you know, because um, as as Chip mentioned, I mean, this was and, and it wasn't just Chip, you know, after the um, that game was National Signing Day and we had Steve Sarkeesian's press conference. There was a couple guys also in the media that went to the Texas Tech game and we're talking about it, and they all said exactly what Chip was saying. Like that was one of the craziest basketball environments ever that they've been in, not just at Texas, not just covering Texas, but ever. And so, you know, Texas fans show up, you know what I mean? I mean, take some pride there. I feel like you were embarrassed by these Red Raiders, you know, and um, on a national stage too, let's be honest about it. So try to get it back there. So yeah, kind of a tangent there, but I, all that to say, I love it too. <laughs> yeah. And it would be a big win for, Texas's NCAA tournament resume because right now most bracketology has them as a five seed trending down. Mm -hmm. That was before the OU game. You win this game, you might be climbing up onto a four line and 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 maybe you know higher depending on how the rest of the season goes. So yeah, um, I always hate that five twelve matchup. I always that's the one. I don't know what it is. Anytime I do a bracket, and I'm not very good at doing brackets. Who is? Let's be honest, but. That's one that's one of the upsets I usually will pick is that five and twelve upset. Yeah. So. Yeah, because there's usually an upset there. Now mm -hmm. Shaka Smart and the Longhorns were upset as a three seed last year by a 14. Anyway, uh let's <laughs> and move on. Seed too, I think, right? <laughs> one point. Yeah. All right. Love it or leave it number three. <laughs> they were upset every time. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Never won an NCAA tournament game in six years at Texas. Okay. Never mind. All right. Love it or leave it. You like redshirt sophomore lefty Pete Hansen getting the Friday start over redshirt senior righty Tristan Stevens to start the season for Texas baseball. You know, 
we talked about this a little bit just a second ago. I, I'm going to love this. Now, Pete Hansen is kind of a slow starter. And so it would not surprise me, wouldn't surprise me if he struggles a little bit, maybe he only goes two, three innings. And and they have to bring in, you know, the bullpen. And let's let's see Andre Duplantier, a guy I'm really excited to see who, you know, was injured last year, but throws rockets. And um, you know, and they've got, you know, they got other relievers who can who can step in and need to step in and show what they've got. Um, but I do think that Pete Hansen gets better as the year goes on. I mean, my gosh, he had a 1.88 ERA last year. He was nine and one. So it may not be a great first outing for Pete Hansen. Like Tristan Stevens may have a better outing on Saturday than Pete Hansen has on Friday. But I think Hansen is the guy that has the way higher ceiling because he commands both sides of the plate and, and can strike you out. Whereas Tristan's going to fire that, you know, sinker baller in the bottom half of the plate. Guys are going to knock it right back in, into the infield. Um, and that's, and he works fast. Players love playing with him, but I'm going to love this with that caveat, Taylor. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to love it too. And it kind of goes back kind of what I was saying. Like when Pete Hansen is on, it is like filthy. I mean, seriously, just a nasty, filthy pitcher you don't want to face. Um, and I, I like, I do like that David Pierce is giving him the opportunity to, you know, kind of be that first, the Friday starter. I mean, that that's a big deal. And that to me shows his faith and the, you know, the coaching staff's faith in Pete Hansen's ability. And, you know, I think Texas has one of arguably one of the best coaching staffs, especially when you consider the volunteer assistance and everything that they have um, probably in the country. And so, you know, I'm, I'm going to side with them. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they know what they're doing. And, you know, if they think that Pete Hansen has what it takes to be that Friday starter, then I'm all on board for that. So yeah, I'm going to agree. I don't, I always hate agreeing with you on all of them, Chip, but I will this week and I'm going to love it too. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, listen, lots of good stuff and good stuff on the way. Uh, make sure you're over at horns247.com. That's where we'll be hanging out. Until our next episode of the flagship podcast, um, and again, make sure you check out the the uh, flagship podcast interview with Rod Babers and the previous week. Um, if you're a baseball fan and you didn't catch our interview with Ty Harrington, because he talks about all the mechanics of these pitchers and the pitchers they've added and everything, um, as as true as a true seam head would. Yeah. So. For Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, until next time, stay safe and keep the faith. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I got to play. I'm going to play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.